Welcome to Dandelions, a podcast for women. We hope that everyone's hanging in there during these strange, strange times. (laughs) (laughs) However you may hang. However you may hang, indeed. It's Molly and Julie again, and we are really stoked about today's convo. Can you believe what we're going to do today? We've been talking about this one since the very like first meeting ever. And we have like really adult professional meetings. We need people to understand these are serious meetings that we have when we get together for our content for the podcast. And um, there's agendas, right. there's PowerPoints, <laughs> there's, there's, there's bla- I'm, we're wearing blazers. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is top fancy. <laughs> With big shoulder uh, pads. But, right. Uh, the topic today is adoption. I guess we could let people in on that after we're saying how excited we are to talk about this mystery topic, or so it would have been to some of our listeners, maybe. And um, the reason that that's really uh, important, near and dear and personal to my heart and Julie's heart, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say I presume the hearts of our guests today, uh, is because we both have a very direct experience with it. Uh, I have an adopted son who is 18 years old. And Julie, you can just am adopted. You are. I think this might be the first time my family is finding out. My family doesn't know (laughs) that you're adopted. Right. Um, Yeah. It's not that they could, and then there's no way they could have ever known or told. Ever. There's no way to tell either. We wondered about that whole genetic sequencing. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, families for no no reason are just different colors. It happens. Papa was a Rolling Stone. Um, So for those of you who do not know me because you cannot see in a podcast, I am African-American and my family is not. I have five older brothers who are, they're super white. Like they're just, they're they're white guys. And um, and I'm not. How white are they? They kind of range in scale from like, I don't have a, I was going to get the Crayola box out, Um, but they, uh, they, they range a little bit in tone, but they're pretty much, very, very similar. And um, so I was adopted when I was a baby. I just celebrated the anniversary of arrival to my family. I and that's on one of the things we're, we're going to talk about too late, you know, soon. And that is that you, yeah, you came from just another state, nearby state, right to Wisconsin? No. City. They put me on a plane from La Crosse to Green Bay. That's City, the way I, that's, right. you know. close, but You yeah. know. <laughs> You're you on the know. plane for five minutes. Right? <laughs> like, I'm thinking, was that like an extra charge? Because that seems a little extreme. You could have just put me in a car. But, you know, they probably asked me and I was like, no, I'm going to, I need a plane. So your foster mom or your social worker or someone like took social you on a plane? Worker. Obviously, they didn't just toss you on a plane. No, no. They were like, this kid is special. And we're rolling out the red carpet and uh, into the Green Bay Airport, I arrived. Honestly, I've never asked as to why it was a plane and not a car ride. It's actually been really hilarious. And there's a picture that I posted the other day on Facebook of the actual plane. Aww. (laughs) Yeah. How old are you? um, I was just shy of one month. Oh. Uh, Yeah. So I was an itty-bitty baby. So lucky um, to get you so little, so young. Yeah. Yeah. And and really, I think I was I was the lucky one. But it's interesting Aww. being adopted. I feel that other people find it so much more fascinating than I do. It's just mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, people have tons of questions, and they they always want to ask. Did you always want to know? Uh, do you know anything? Or has it been hard? They just there's just a range of questions when it's just been my life. So I haven't really thought about it like every single day. But in the last few years, which I can share later, um, I have found out more. So yes. 
Yes. And, you know, there's so many layers and so many, you know, unique situations to adoption. Like you are in a biracial family because of your adoption. My son is Latino. So we have a biracial family because of adoption. And, you know, this, this adds, you know, another layer to the fact of people wondering about your family when, when they see it by appearance or when they hear about it, it's not only about adoption, but it's about also, you know, I know they wonder and sometimes ask about, you know, some of the other things like, you know, what, how far do we go in celebrating Latino culture? And does my son identify with, you know, Latinos, you know, at school or in general more than white people? And, you know, these are the kinds of things that it it adds to. And I have another aspect uh, that your parents, Julie, did too. And that is when you have an adopted and a biological child. Mm -hmm. So that's like a whole nother twist. And um, I'm one of those people who uh, started an adoption and got pregnant in the middle and ended up with two baby boys, uh, very close in age. Amazing. Um, And, you know, so that's somewhat common. It's kind of an urban myth or urban lore where you think that, you know, you hear of this happening to women, but when it really happens to you, you do find so many women that this did happen to, that they started an adoption process and ended up getting pregnant. Um, So, but again, like ours are like, multiracial ours are there's biological siblings there's adoptive siblings you know there's just so many different adoption experiences and that's what's really exciting about today is that we're going to talk about four really different adoption experiences and that's going to segue us right into our guests today our first guest is judy hatch and she's visiting us uh live from colorado so hi judy hello it's good to be here Thank you for coming. Um, you ha- tell us about your adoption story. Sure. I actually am adopted into a family with a brother and a sister who are also both adopted. And my sister is Latino. So mine's biracial too. Um, so that's interesting. Uh, but uh, it happened in the 60s. And um, I grew up in Colorado and uh, really had always kind of wanted just to know where I came from, who I looked like kind of thing. And uh, in my first marriage, I actually had a a baby that died. And because of it, I really wanted to know my medical history. It was really, really important to me. So I started on that search like in the early 90s. And I did as much as I could before DNA came about. DNA really changed things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I actually worked with an intermediary program in Colorado. I don't know if you guys knew this, but in Colorado, they, they were trying to connect birth parents and birth children together. And they had the Colorado Intermediary Program. What they would do is they would do all the legwork for you. And then as long as both parties wanted to um, kind of have a relationship or talk, then they would connect the two of you. So I went through that and they were unable to find my birth parents because they were really incognito. They really did some really interesting things to birth certificates and just the, I mean, it was the 60s, right? They were really kind of trying to, they just really didn't want to know that she was pregnant, basically. Um, but since that time, and when I really couldn't get anywhere through that and service, DNA came along and I got a call probably, um, I got a call, I would say, a year ago, yeah, a call from somebody who said, I think I'm your half-sister. And so I went online and I looked and she was my half-sister. And then another half-sister showed up. Wow. And then just two weeks ago, 
another half sister just showed up. Wow. Yeah. So I have three half sisters and um we had our first with the two first half sisters that I had, we had our first sisters retreat in Estes Park. And we went and had a fabulous time. It was crazy to meet them. We all talk fast. We all talk the same. We all ask the same questions. And behaviorally, our arms are like everywhere. So it's pretty crazy. We have a lot of similar similarities, um, all except for one are in a healthcare field in some way, which is really interesting, too. Um, and we all have very, very similar journeys. So, yeah, really interesting. Wow. So you might even have more siblings out there. Do you think, or do you think you've, you've found everybody? No, I think we do. I think we've actually um, kind of uh, stumbled on some more information and there's that possibility. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my birth father, I don't know a lot about really very, very little. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm still exploring that. So I could have siblings from there as well. Have siblings. Uh, you mentioned you had a, a baby that passed. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, do you have other children that? I do. Okay. I do. I have two. I have two children. My son is uh, 31 and my daughter is 32. And these are biological children? Yeah. And then I have a granddaughter. Yes. Oh, so long, long before you uh, knew that you had these siblings, or you had met these siblings, uh, meeting your biological children was the first time that you met anyone that was biologically related to you. And I know this is true of Julie too. And, uh, you know, if you just what is that like? I mean, that must, it's always so exciting to, you know, meet your, your new baby, but was there something, do you think extra, uh, special to you in the sense that this was the first person that shared your DNA, even though in our hearts, we believe that it's love, not blood. And I do believe that, you know, to the end of uh, my whole soul, I believe Mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. But at the same time, when you have a baby or, you know, a person that's biologically related to you, what does that feel like for the first time? Um, I would say it's one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had in my life. When my daughter was born and I held her in my arms and I looked at her and I thought, man, it's like really, um, um, I looked at her and I thought, oh my God, she has my lips and she has my nose. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Look, she kind of has red hair. Oh my God. And it was just like, it's just amazing. It's just, um, you never, I mean, up to that point, I'd never touched anybody who was biologically related to me. So to, to have that first experience, it's pretty, it's really overwhelming, but mainly it's just like, wow. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. Yep. Overwhelming, I think, sums it up. I remember when our firstborn was born, I just kept looking at him. And he really, his baby pictures are very similar to mine. And I just, I, I didn't think, I didn't think anything of it beforehand. And then when I saw him, I was like, well, what am I, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like you look, you you look like me and I just, I, and I never wanted to have children because I need someone to look like me. But by the way, and I've had people say, oh, he's your twin. He's your mini you. I mean, he obviously takes on um, characteristics of, of my husband as well, but very, very strong features of mine. And it was just, I mean, to the point of tears, like I, I, I don't, I don't know how to react. This is just very, very different. And and not saying I wanted him to have blonde hair, you know, but it was just yeah. like, wow, you have my skin tone and maybe my nose shape and some other things. And so it was, um, it just was kind of unexpected. I didn't think about, oh, he's going to look like me and how am I going to feel, you know? Um, yeah. But like like Judy said, I think just really overwhelming. It, it is. Yeah. It's crazy. Absolutely. I I mean, it's it's so it's two things at once because again we. 
totally believe that uh, adoption is uh, the same in terms of parenting. Uh, an adopted child is, is the same as adopting a biological child. I can tell you that uh, with my entire, again, heart and soul. There is no difference whatsoever. Uh, getting up at three o'clock in the morning when someone's barfing is getting up at three o'clock in the morning when someone's barfing. Uh, feeling pride, you know, for either of my sons is the same when I when I see it. But again, uh, we don't want to act like these relationships are identical either. And that's always been the line that I've walked to in saying that these are are different. Uh, we're going to bring Brian into our conversation here. Brian Fye, he is in Indiana. And he has a great adoption story that he's going to share too. And then he's going to jump in the conversation and we're going to go have a foursome of adoption conversation. So Brian, hi. <laughs> hello. Hello, Molly. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. Um, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's really exciting stuff. It's, and I'm glad it's just us girls here on this podcast. I may get emotional. I'm not a crier. But hearing these stories, I'm over here going, maybe you got to keep it together if your buddies hear this. You might get pulled your man card from you or something. Oh, yeah, our story is amazing. Um, um, our story is really amazing. So we started off on this path, right? And um, young couple in love, my high school sweetheart and I. And um we like six years, we, uh, we couldn't conceive. We had tests and we had Clomid. And by the way, if you don't like somebody, put them on Clomid because it will change a girl's... Uh, uh, it's It was something. My wife at one point said, I'm going off this stuff. I can't believe I just said that to you. But um, so we get past that and we had two open adoptions and the first one just kind of fell apart. They were domestic. And then the second one um, was like a flashpoint moment in our lives. Um, six days after the baby was born, the we got a call, and um, the girl said, I want to keep the baby. Mm. And I've never had my heart drop that far. And it was the first time my wife and I actually laid on the bed and prayed. We go to church. We do all these things, right? But we held hands and prayed. And um, I was angry. It was the first time I actually had a prayer that was like, had anger in it and just frustration. And um, we're laying on our bed in Milwaukee, 52nd Street. And I go, I don't care. We don't have the money, but we're not doing domestic. I know there's babies. Locally, in La Crosse, wherever, um, if it's China, if it's Russia, if it's Guatemala, we're going to do this. Because at that point, I was working for a staffing agency, um, running an office and doing great. But my wife was making more money. We just were a young couple doing our thing, banking money, doing all that. Um, we knew it cost a lot, and it was not cheap to do international. And um, like three, days, three weeks later, we had a friend who was an attorney. He said, hey, I've got this... He gives me a hug and he gives me a six pack. We used to have these epic Halloween parties, and he said, "There's a business card. It's a gal. She's her husband is a is an attorney in town. I've done some cases with him. He seems like a good guy, and I bet she has a really good agency." And so we went down this path of getting a dossier together and doing all this. And so our kids are both of them. I have a son, Avery. He's a Marine. He's in Twenty Nine Palms right now. He's twenty one years old, and um, they're both Guatemalan. And um, we got our daughter. And going back to that point about holding them, you know, I'm just a dumb guy who's really emotionally unattached. I always tell people my wife is the brains of the operation. I just pick up the heavy things and I drive. Um, but the first time I held my son and my daughter, it was a lightning bolt moment. And I couldn't tell you. I tell people it just washes over you. But it's more. there's more electricity than just something washing over you. I held them for the first time in Guatemala City and it was like... Mm. It was like a dream sequence in a movie. And I knew. And because I was dragging my feet, 
a little bit because I was playing basketball in a couple leagues. We were a young couple working and we would have Friday night, you know, fish fries and drink beer and life was great. And, um, I was just being selfish. And the minute I held that little guy, um, it flipped the script. And then the same thing happened with my daughter. And I actually couldn't sleep the night before we got our daughter, who's three years younger. And it happened. And I was like waiting for it to happen. And it was like, oh man, there's that vortex thing. And, um, it's been pretty amazing. So, um, and I don't treat them like I, I, they are our kids. I, they are my children and they face different things too than in our family. We've left family reunions. Um, we're all Caucasian pretty much. I have some cousins who are Mexican, right? But my son one side, he's very analytical and he's very verbal about things. And he, we left and they're in the car seats and he's like, Hey dad, you know, Tears is kind of dark. She is darker. She tans really, well, really, really well. And then he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, I'm kind of darker too. Yeah. And mom's not as dark, but she's darker than you. Yeah. And you're really white. Goes, <laughs> Grandma Fi is really white. And I said, yeah. He goes, why is that? And I said, well, yeah. Uncle Chad doesn't look like me, right? My brother. And then my other brother, Blake, he doesn't look exactly like me, right? And Uncle Blake can get in the sun and he doesn't burn. And he just next day he's brown, right? Because he's got more Indian than I do from my mouth. And he goes, yeah. I go, we're all different, Avery. I don't know why you're so brown, but you're my son. Yeah. And he's like, okay. And I think the next question was like, hey, do we have any Cheerios at home? Right. So right. you just answer that first question. Right. And I think right. you could, right. it's a deep, deep right. question. Give them an answer. And we've always mm-hmm. been open about it. They know mm-hmm. their birth names. Mm-hmm. They know the name that we gave them. Mm-hmm. And at 10 years old, my son was like, I want to change my name. What to what? I want to change it to my birth name, Lorenzo Antonio Reyes. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's, it's a good name. It's a good name. But here's the deal. So we went upstairs. I put the kids down. I'm reading to them. And I said, you can talk about these things, but it hurts your mom's heart. When you're 18 and you want to do it, yeah, we'll talk about it. But I said, you're 10. I said, sometimes I'm still telling you what to wear to your baseball game. So you can't make a big choice about your name right now. But if you want to do it at 18, let's talk about that. But it kind of upsets your mom because you're named after her daddy. And he's a great guy. So, but anyway, those are my kids and that's, and that, that's, you know, my daughter's 18. If I didn't mention her, she's just gorgeous. But my son is so much like me. He's wired like me. Um, it's remarkable. Um, he's just far more handsome. He's got that great brown skin and a full head of hair. But uh, yeah, it's been <laughs> such a great ride to have these kids and they have added to Becky and I's life immensely, as all kids do. So it's been a good story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I feel uh, the same way with my adopted son. And, and I never speak of them as my adopted biological son. The only reason I am is because of this podcast. And so we're keeping things clear. Um, but in my real life, of course, sure. I, never, I would never refer to either of them. They're my sons. But uh, I feel like I have, in personality, I have a lot more in common with my adopted son than I do with my biological son, just because we're both really um, gregarious, uh, outgoing people, people. Uh, we both just love to organize things, get people together. We love to be the glue uh, in events. We just like, we love, we just love finding out about people, being around people. And my biological child is a little bit more, uh, he he's a, a little bit more hermity. He likes to spend time alone. He likes to play the piano. He likes to do the Rubik's Cube. He has friends, but pretty much many of the same friends that he's had now all through school. Uh, he's a junior in high school now, and some of his friends he's had since K four, and this is just you know it's just it's just so interesting. It's like what you said from the moment you held your child, you know you had a lightning bolt go through you. You knew, and I actually felt yeah. that way from the moment I saw my son's photo that was sent to me over email, which I still have the email, mm-hmm. and it said 
uh, you know, in translation, it said, here is a baby boy for you to consider. <laughs> I took one look and I was like, uh, I've considered he's mine. So, you know, so that was it, you know, and I, yeah. I get that. Like, I just feel, and the more that I knew him, the more that I felt like um, there was something very, you know, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a esoteric person. So I, I hesitate to go too far into that because I don't want, you know, people to roll eyes or anything, or it's fine if they do. But I, I do believe that there's something my son and I were meant to be together. And it just has been made clear to me more and more as time has gone on. And it's been a wonderful, wonderful, uh, thing to, to discover over and over in many ways. And he just left. Uh, he goes to college at the Montana State University. And after being, uh, you know, pretty much with him every day of his life, um, I'm now dealing with that too. And that's just, that's just a normal, that has nothing to do with adoption. That's just a normal parent thing. And when your kids, kids leave and uh, you're kind of left just to uh, be happy for them, but also, uh, it's, it's, it, I'm, I'm still in the shell shock cause it just happens recently. So anyway, question for Molly and, um, and Brian and actually Judy, you might be able to chime in as well because of your sister's okay. heritage. How did your families respond? It is, it is what it is. And right. You don't look like your, your, you know, your biological brother, Brian, you were saying you don't necessarily look like your brother. But the fact is, your children, Molly, your son, Judy, your sister, me, we are different. And I know in my family, this was the 60s. My family's like hippie, skippy, whatever, but not everybody was. Not everybody is. And have there been moments where people either said something that you had to set them straight, right? Or maybe had an attitude um, that was less than favorable because of the... Um, heritage and ethnicity of your of your family members. I definitely do. Um, I've had, in fact, I've written about this extensively and done some oral storytelling about it uh, as well because it's been really upsetting to me. Because for the most part, I felt like my family, my immediate family, my parents, my sister, everybody was awesome. Like nobody, you know, had they were just so excited that I was adopting a baby. It was just, you know. The, the most momentous thing that had happened. It was the first grandchild, the first of so many things. And so it was, it was all, it, it, was, it was never, ever, ever, ever questioned or there was never anything negative about it. So when these things started to come in as in the first couple of years, uh, it was pretty surprising to me. But, you know, there's a number of things that, that come to mind. Uh, one of them was, of course, just trying to tell people or, or, to this day, I do this, just trying to help people use the right language when people would say, oh, where's his real mother? You know, or mm. who's his, would you know his real mother? And say, well, I'm his, you mean his birth mother. I'm his, I'm his real mother. I'm, I'm his mother. Then he had a birth mother and that kind of stuff. But in terms of like the family, and we can go back and talk about that more because I think language and using the appropriate language is really important in, in adoption. But, but with the family thing, I, I had an experience, um, up north in in Green Bay, near Green Bay, Julie, mm -hmm. uh, with some family members who were not so hippy skippy like your family, and it was right after uh, I had adopted and had the baby, and I had the two babies with me, of course, and we were out in a garage. It was like a Packer party type thing, and a relative who's not a close relative, it's like a cousin, said, asked me about what you know the story was, and I started to tell the story about how I ended up with two babies, and. <sighs> 
and when I got to the part about getting pregnant and he's like, oh, so you got pregnant, but then it was, it was too late for you to return the other one. Ooh. And he used oh. the words return the other one. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and wow. I was like, no, 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 it was not. Too- <laughs> no, we don't have return <laughs> policies. No, you know, I, and I, I, it was one of those times where I just felt so um, like I didn't respond in the moment the way that I wanted to respond. And it really was good that happened because it helped me practice my language for the next time when things were said that were inappropriate. But in the moment, again, because oh, my family shocked. had been so open and so wonderful and welcoming and we were just all over the moon with both these babies that I just couldn't believe it. And that was something that just absolutely shocked me. Uh, I also was always surprised by the number of people who would walk up to me who were strangers and would ask me things like, um, like, oh, where's his dad from? And I would say Green Bay, because that's all you're getting if you ask me that rude of a question, mm-hmm. like in in a in the Target or in Walmart or whatever. It is if amazing. You really, if you really care, I would love. I'm an open book. I love talking about my family, you know. But if you if you do it respectfully, I will tell you every detail if you want, or I'll tell you a, you know a version that's true from my heart. But if you do it that way, when I'm literally you know grabbing a can of soup and you're asking me where my baby's you know daddy was born, I'm like no that is not okay. And you don't get an answer for that. Um, so that was, uh, that's, that's been a really big, uh, hard thing for me in terms of that. Um, I think a lot of people presume also have judged me because this has come up jokingly and not jokingly with people where when they see me, they just presume that I had two babies very close together with very different dads. I'm Italian. So there's enough about me that looks like my son that it could be very easily, you know, had I procreated with an African-American or a Latino man or a Native American man, I could have produced a child that looked like my son for sure. So I think um, there's also a lot of curiosity. You can almost see it like inside someone's head as if it's any of their business. You know, they're basically wondering like, well, who did I fuck to get a kid like that? And that is the kind of thing that I've uh, fought against and, and had to just not fight against, but it's just rubbed me the wrong way. And I and now I can just sense it in people because they're looking at us too long. They're looking to me and they're looking back at him and they're trying to figure it out as if there's anything to figure out. But anyway, so that's that's been my experience in terms of family though. And family has been overall though, very, very supportive. And um, Brian, I'd be curious to hear how your family was. Well, I, a quick question for you, though, Molly. My wife used to come home all the time when the kids were infants, and I think women have this kinship, right? When they're babies, she would always come home and say, "Yeah, I had a woman at the grocery store just ask." And it, it, what for her, it usually wasn't about, you know, the heart that you're talking about with some of these people. And I think they're just poor choice of words. People don't know how to say it because it's a baby. It's not something on layaway. It's not a pair of shoes, right? right? But people don't know how to say, right. "Oh, you couldn't stop that." you know, blah, blah, blah. No, our heart's involved with this thing. We were in this thing t- to the end. Um, but gr- women walk up to Becky all the time and say, oh, baby's beautiful. Is your husband Puerto Rican? Is your husband this or that? And so here's a brilliance of my wife. She had, a, she had a picture, right? She's a respiratory therapist. She had a picture, right? And then on the back of her her ID for work, she cut in half the kids' pictures. And so work, and this is 15 years ago, um, one of her colleagues said, oh, your kids are beautiful. She goes, can I ask you a question? I've been wanting to ask you this forever. And she's like, yeah, what is it? She goes, your husband came in and brought you a sandwich last week, and he's not Puerto Rican or Mexican. Or um, <laughs> Does he know your kids are like, are, what? And she just stopped, and Becky goes, no. He, 
I have a Puerto Rican lover, but he's okay with it. And this girl, <laughs> this woman, man, will hit the draw. And yeah. my wife goes, he's, he, he doesn't know yet, but I'm trying to get, you know, the nerve to tell him. And the woman just stopped in her tracks and she's like, I don't remember her name, but she's like, I, she goes, I just put my hand on her shoulder and said, I'm so kidding you. My kids were adopted, if you didn't know that. She's like, oh, that makes so much sense. And the woman just, her spine <laughs> fell out of her. And she's like, so she told me that story. But a lot more women would ask my wife. I didn't have a lot mm-hmm. of other people. When I would get people come up, they were very confident because um, because of Guatemala, my son's hair is very stick straight. It is so stick straight. Um, and there's there's a look, right? You can tell he's Latino. And if, you, if you've been around the culture, like I said, I have cousins who are, are half Mexican and Caucasian. So it's not a big deal to us to talk about these things. Um, so if I sound ignorant, it's very possible uh, on this thing because I just grown up in a family where we're just you. You're just, you got brown skin and you got a big nose and he's got big ears. We just, you know, I have a skinny cousin we call Stork. I mean, we just, you know, he's 6'3 and 113 pounds when he was a freshman in high school. We call the kid Stork. I mean, it's probably his biggest deficiency. We're giving this kid the label. That's just how we roll. But um, I'd have women come up to me at the grocery store to ask, but it was only because they had biological kids or grandchildren and they felt comfortable to ask the question. Um, as far as people being mean or people being just insensitive, I've had a couple of times, look, I'm, I've had people a lot of times say things that are insensitive, but I'm not going to try to fix somebody who's 50 or 45 and help them evolve in a moment at a gas station or something if they say something or at a party because they use a word that I wish they wouldn't use. But if it's a family member, which I had one time, it told me a joke and it was like, so there's a rabbi and there's this, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, just so you know, my kids are brown. So those jokes are kind of like out of bounds now. And he immediately understood. He's like, oh my, I'm so sorry. And he backtracked. He goes, yeah, I get it. And I said, yeah. So like, I'm trying to embarrass you, but I mean, if they heard you telling that story and they were not infants, they would think less of you. Right. I know your heart, but you right. can't tell those jokes anymore. Mm-hmm. And right. And he took it. Yep. And he 15, understood. 20 years ago, which is what we're talking about, was even a very different world about these things than we live in now in terms of people's, uh, there is more of a heightened un, um, understanding around racial issues and things that are appropriate and not appropriate. And I think that, I think it was a lot harder even when our kids were little, uh, where people in, were saying things sometimes they didn't mean to, or sometimes they just didn't know. But I always felt like they still had to be corrected. I, a, a boyfriend of a, of a very good friend of mine decided at two years old, he was going to start calling my son Little Beaner. And he just thought that was so cute. And I was like, no, <laughs> you are, you, and he didn't. And it was real. I think in today's world, it would be easier for someone to understand why that is uh, not 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 cool to to call someone who's Latino a little little boy a little beaner. But it was for him. He literally like was just shocked. He did not know because my son was tiny and he was brown and he was adorable and he adored him and he just thought little beaner was the cutest name for him. And trying to explain to mm-hmm. someone that why that's not okay again, especially 10, 15 years ago, was tough. And trying to be his advocate and say, that's not, I know you're coming from a good place, or I think you're coming from a good place, but you can learn and you can grow and you need to. So you're not calling him. Yeah. The language matters. Is that when um, I was growing up with my sister, uh, this is what, it was really funny that you said that you're Italian. So my sister, my, my adoptive parents were told that my sister was Italian. Mm. She didn't Mm. know. Mm. Until we looked and we found her birth parents. Mm. And when we found her birth parents, that's when she realized. And honestly, 
she was really angry. She was angry because she said I had a right to be able to um, understand what my heritage was. Yes. Growing up, I had a right because, and she did, she did have that right. It was really, really hard for her. She actually changed her name so that it spoke to her heritage. And um, yeah. Interesting. I'm blessed. If I can say this, I'm blessed that I, in our family, um, just, I can go back to the airport. We landed. I had almost every one of my aunts and uncles and my grandparents at the airport. And then I had the other side of the family because my parents were divorced and it was just easier for people. I had my mom and stepdad at our home in Milwaukee. They drove five hours the day we, we brought Avery home and tears home. So we, we get to the airport, we get to the gate and we're in Chicago, we're in London and we just left Guatemala or maybe we landed in Houston or something, whatever. And I got, we have like a tribe of 25, 30 people waiting for us to embrace us and this child. So I have that type of family and that type of love going on. And I also have this moment, JD, you'll understand this. Um, We went to school in Milwaukee, right? But my girlfriend and future wife was at Ball State in Indiana. So I bring two buddies from the basketball team where we met. These my two buddies. We go to Ball State for a weekend, right? See my girl and hang out. I don't know have a beer, just do whatever. And on the way home, we stopped by my grandma and grandpa Fai's house, right? So um, I didn't have any reservations about it and everything went fine. But there was a funny moment where we get out of the car and these, my buddies are tall. Everybody's taller than me. When you play basketball and you're five out, everybody's taller than you when you're five eight. So my buddy Tony gets out. He's a big dude. Maceo gets out. He's a big dude. My grandma Rob just goes, hi. And I'm like, grandma, this is my buddy Tony. She, they shake hands, but then she can't stop herself. She's got to hug Tony. She doesn't even get her arms halfway around the kid because he's a big guy. He's tall. And then uh, this is my buddy Maceo. And, oh, come on in, boys. So she's pushing a small of their back and pulling them into the house. And um, she gets to me and she gives me a hug and she squeezes my face like she'd always do. And she says, I didn't know your buddies were colored. And so she <laughs> didn't have the vocabulary right, that you would think. Yeah, a lot, right? But her heart wasn't right. in a bad spot. She just didn't have the, she didn't have the vocabulary yeah. we wanted her to have. And I kind of went, Oh, no, I just, should I have told you, Grandma? She goes, no, I just didn't know. Come on in, I made some lunch. And then so we get in the car. I didn't say anything. We get in the car. My grandpa shakes their hands and does his thing, and he's a captain in the Army and probably said 3,000 words the whole time I knew him. He's just a stoic guy. We had a great visit. And we get in the car, we go down the road, and I'm like, guys, did you hear what Grandma said? And they're like, no. So then I told them because I knew it wasn't a bad moment, but Tony's like, what? Did you really say that? I go, yeah. And he's like, I didn't hear it. He goes, but I'm coming with that. I go, no, she loved you guys. If she didn't, you wouldn't have stepped foot on the property. Believe me, I think she's got a piece. She's got a gun. Okay. So um, it was just one of those moments where <laughs> your granny got love, a gun. Yeah. But you got a, yeah, grandma don't play here in North Central Indiana. But she, um, she obviously didn't have a dark heart. She loved those boys. And she talked about that moment for years and years. But it's just the word choice was not there. But if you heard her in public, somebody might think she might not be where she should be. Anyway, it's, it's a fun story to share with people. Right. That, my grandparents used that, words, that word too. And for them, it was like an improvement. But, you know, so it's, it does get really tricky because um, lots of their friends still use yeah. really awful words. So it was like, okay, well, that's better. But, you know, I right. tried to, before, when I, when, before I was old enough to realize, you know, how to do this tactfully and that some people you're just never going to change. I used to really challenge my grandparents when I was a teenager and such. And of course, I wish that I, I wouldn't have done it quite mm-hmm. the way that I did. But it was very frustrating to me to hear them use words like that. But right in retrospect, you realize like, 
well, for them, that was, that was an improvement. So, so be it. Um, Julie, I'm really curious. I, I want to hear uh, go, about your experience in meeting your birth mom, because I know we've talked about that a little bit, but do you feel like chatting about that? Um, sure. I, well, yes. Um, I haven't actually met her. Matt, okay. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Communicated thought, with. And I thought uh, I could invite her to the show. Um, Osmosis? But, no, you did some. You have some connection with her. But I, but I have met her. So a couple of years ago, um, my sister-in-law and I were just hanging out without our husbands, without my husband and without my brother, her husband. And next thing you know, she's gifting me a DNA kit. You know, because mm. we were just talking about my background and. I think this was three years ago, right around now. And I literally found a half sibling within just a few days on Ancestry. It was a very weird, oh, trying to fill in the gaps. He wow. wrote back, yes, me too. I'm adopted. And I said, oh, I was born in lacrosse. He said, I was born in lacrosse. And I said, my mother's name, I believe, might be Jenny. And he said, my birth mom's name is Gigi for short. So I wrote back. Are you my half brother? And next thing you know, we exchanged emails and phone numbers. And I think within the hour, we were speaking to one another. So it's a very, very long story. And I, I, we don't have enough time, but there are eight of us. And basically, six were either given up or not raised with her entirely. I had the chance and did speak to her. It's probably been about um, two years now. All of the other siblings have, have met. I only know two of them, and I think a couple don't even know that I like exist. Um, so I may be a little bit of a, not so much secret, but just I'm not necessarily included with some of the others. But um, nor do I think they're having like major family reunions or anything like that. But I spoke to her for about an hour. My whole thing was I I am not angry. I really didn't have any pressing questions. I just wanted to say thank you. That's really all. That that's it. Like I. I don't, I don't judge. Um, I, there, there's not, people say, well, aren't you mad? Don't, don't you, what am I, what am I to be mad at? I had a family who loved me. I grew up in one of the most idyllic neighborhoods. I went to, I had access to great education. I traveled the world, but I go back to the love. I have nothing to be angry about at all. And now being a mother, I cannot even imagine how hard that was for her. And maybe it wasn't hard. I do know this. Um, she did not have an easy life. Even the generation before her, there was a lot of abuse and neglect. I had heard about that. She confirmed that. This is not somebody who was necessarily nurtured um, in, into this world. And there, I believe there are some siblings who may not be actually in touch with her on a regular basis. And she's had to come to terms with that. But all I wanted to do was to say thank you and I love you, that I don't even know that she knows the impact that I've had on, on so many people's lives. And, and that's it. I think when she found out that I wanted to contact her, she was quite nervous. You know, like, what was I going to say? Was I angry? There's nothing. That, that, that's it. I've always, that's the one thing that makes me believe in God. Like, I hope that I will be overwhelmed with calm and all of my questions will be answered. And one of the first things on the list was for me to um, just say, hey, I really appreciate what you've done. And so anyway, we talked for about an hour or so. She was very genuine, very kind, um, open to, you know, further conversation. I also feel like after, you know, 50 some years, this is a little bit of a shock. So I did not want to impose. I did not want to um, 
you know, be, be rude. I'm not looking to call anybody additional, you know, additional, you know, mom. I don't, I don't need that. Um, but it was just important for me to explain to her the impact of her action, what that had on so many people. I'm not saying there are not everybody that meets me loves me, but there are a lot of people who do. And had she taken a different action or had I stayed with her, I think this is somebody who could not have provided the love, the nurturing, and, and probably even on the financial end, um, the things that, that I've been able to experience. And through her selflessness, um, I, I have an amazing life. You know, on the, on the flip side, you also don't want to rub it in someone's, you know, face like, I had a pretty pony, you know, you don't want to come off like that, <laughs> right. you know, you don't. But right. um, I don't know that I'll ever meet her in person. I'm, I'm definitely open to that. These things take time. And again, I'm not trying to disrupt anything. I've got enough, you know, I've got enough going on here. Um, but I really got, I got really lucky with the family that I have. And I do think there were some people um, with attitudes who may not have been so open to um, adopting um a black child, especially in the sixties. And I think maybe some people have evolved. I don't, I, I know, I know some people have, and there's others. They may not, but that's their life. They're not impacted by the same things that I, my husband and, and, and our boys are, but there's definitely people who have evolved, especially in the last six months, people who have um, basically said, I'm sorry, I think I have done this to you and I shouldn't have, and I'm learning and I, you know, I'm blown away and always welcome to that, but to the length, you know, you guys were talking earlier about the rude things that people say, and no, there, there's no return policy here. And there's no extended warranty. I just want to put that out there right now. There, there's no extended warranty, and there's no return policy. If that were the case, my parents had a really good, you know, during the teenage years that return, <laughs> yeah. you know, that would have been the time to have done it. But, um, you know, I think a lot of the things that were said to me were just said around me growing up in northern Wisconsin and people being very, you know, very rural, not exposed to people of different cultures. Um, and I've had to definitely set some people straight. Um, haven't quite lost any family members at, at this at this point. But, you know, you do hear people say stuff like, you know, what what are you? I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. But like, and I'll, or are you mixed? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a man and a woman. And that, you know, or I'll say something really bizarre and just say, yeah. well, yeah, I'm, I'm German and, um, and Chinese. And I'm, I'm neither. I'm, I'm not in either of the, you know, neither of those things. Um, and I did a blog once about the dumb things that you don't, just dumb things that you don't say to adopted kids. Like, don't talk about, well, people want one of their own. They're it. What? Huh? Yeah, own? Exactly. I, I, I'm sure my parents could have produced receipts that show that I'm, I mean, literally and figuratively, as, re- as far as receipts that show that I am. I am their own. Like they didn't say, and this is our brother, our son Brian, Paul, Tom, Dan, Jack, and our adopted daughter Julie. They 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 don't <laughs> they, they never, ever, ever, and I to to their credit, they never treated me any. Trust me, they did not treat me any different. The only reason I probably was treated a little differently is because you know in the sixties, seventies, um, I heard a lot of well, you can't do this because your brothers did it, but they're boys. I got that kind of stuff, but never mm-hmm. like, well, you're you're black, we're not going to let you do this. I think there were times they were frightened on my, you know, for me, and they didn't discuss those things. Um, but they tried to expose me to as much as they possibly could. But again, it's through the, it's still through the lens of white people. Um, but I, I've got no, I really have no qualms, you know, um, with it. It was, it was overall a good experience. And like I said, I cannot imagine we had more response, Molly, to to this episode. I'm maybe now close to forty responses. This could literally be a two parter. Because we also haven't talked with um, mothers and fathers, quite frankly, who have given their children up. I can't even, I can't even, and I've got people close to me, very close to me, 
who have gone through that. And that isn't, I can't even relate to that. You know, um, I mean, there's so much ground we, we could, um, we could cover. Judy, I have a question for you as far as, sure. did you always, since you were younger, did you always just want to find out your, you know, your biological background? Was that something that was kind of burning within? Yes, absolutely. It's interesting because coming from a family with three adoptive children, my brother, honestly, it's pretty funny. My brother's 13 years older than I am. My brother could have cared less whether he found out or not. Oh, wow. And he especially felt while my adoptive parents were alive that it was a disloyal and an unloving thing (laughs) to want to look for them, for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Since then, he's found his, um, he has a half-brother and he's found him as well. Um, My sister, burning desire to know. I mean, more than I did. Definitely even more than I did. Um, Yeah, I always, always wanted to know, where did I get this nose? Where did I get these teeth? You know what I mean? It was really important for me to see that. And, um, you know, when you see it generationally, like I see it from myself to my daughter to my granddaughter, it is just an amazing thing to see that. And I've even since then gotten pictures of um, my birth mother, multiple pictures. I look just like her. I could be her. I mean, you, you would know that I was her daughter. And my daughter looks like her. And my granddaughter has the same characteristics. It's really interesting. That's amazing. And I I think I've been a little harsh on other children who are adopted who have this. I feel that something, and not saying that you have this, but a lot of people do have this feeling that something is missing. And I, for the longest time, was like, that's BS. Nothing's missing. You're just using that as an excuse. Because what Mm -hmm. about people who aren't adopted? And they feel that something's missing and they're not adopted. And I thought, well, how, that's just like, I don't like broccoli. I, you know what? So somebody else does like broccoli. So I've really had to kind of change my mindset because yeah. I don't have something that's burning inside of me. I mean, don't get me wrong though. I've always been curious. Absolutely. I kind of made up a story yeah. that Diane Carroll was my biological yeah. mother, <laughs> which is interesting because my biological Good mother choice. is white. Diane Carroll, <laughs> she was. Oh my She's God, you're my biological it. father, Brian. <laughs> 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 Not such a good choice, man. Right? <laughs> and, and the plot thickens, um, which is interesting because Diane Carroll, obviously African American, and my biological mother is is white. But I, in my mind, I would make up these stories like, well, you know, she was just probably really, really busy, and so she had oh, yeah. to pick me up. And my parents basically oh, yeah. sat me down when I was very young, and they said, "Here's what we know," and it wasn't pretty. I mean, it wasn't pretty. And I, I believe this was like when I was probably five, maybe. And they explained that I was adopted. And I think I was like, you know, trying to tell them, okay, I know. I think I was more concerned about their feelings than than they were concerned about mine. We were concerned about each other and how this would be. But obviously yeah. in this situation, you can't just, you know, my, my parents didn't come from color doesn't matter. I mean, yes, they, they, they thought it was the content of, you know, your, your, your character, but they knew that they had to address that. And I pretty much already by then had been told by the neighbor kids, you know? Yeah, but you have another mom. Where is she? Oh, yeah. There's always that comment, right? Right? Like, where is she? you have another mom. Where is she? I don't Mm -hmm. know. (laughs) Exactly. But I never really had the burning desire. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like things were missing. I had other things that I was dealing with on the home front. So I think that kind of kept me from, you know, really having that desire, but I always wanted to know, and I'd always hoped that I would meet my biological mother. Still don't know about that. We're still, we're still um, kind of out there. So if everybody wants to spit in a cup and send it to uh, our uh, 
yeah, Gmail account for the podcast. It. We'd like to find that out. I've you know? <laughs> been practicing putting a filter on so my mother wouldn't be embarrassed if she heard this. And here you are dropping those types of bombs, JD. I love it. <laughs> right. um, oh, your mother is going to be listening. I already dropped an F-bomb. Sorry yeah, about that. So, yeah. Oh, no, she's totally good at that. No, it's all good. She's going to be like, oh, these girls hang with my son. I should be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Should've, should've Julie, did you uh, ever like wonder things medically? I, Abby, being a nurse, that back ground. I'll tell you, that's when the desire really, really got strong for me because I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a doctor and there's your family history. And I always write it as big as I can. Adopted. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I can do that I, for that, years. That did yeah. get on my nerves, I think, after um, after a while, as I became an adult and things yeah. started happening. I was like, well, somebody could have pinned a note to me and said, well, good luck with the bad knee kid, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. But I... I kind of looked at it like this. Well, I know I'm African American. There's a whole, you know, whole list of things that I might have. And most of the stuff that's wrong with me is probably, you know, self imposed. But to your point, Judy, I did yeah. wonder. And once we had kids, I'm like, well, what am I bringing to the table that exactly. might be? And I have found out some things, but um, nothing, I didn't find out anything. You know, there are some people who have some really specific diseases or conditions mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. would really have been nice to know. I mm-hmm. luckily don't. Not gonna don't have anything like that, but a lot of kids do want to know that. Um, I mean, I've got a lot. I won't say a lot wrong with me, but I, I have some things. But I don't know if if it's from her or not. But I think that's definitely a lot of people want to know for the medical reasons. And I think my kids were a little bit curious, you know. But sometimes when you open that can of worms, you might. I I still got questions. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I for me, I have some specific hereditary diseases. Specific. Okay. And I've passed them on to my son. Okay. And my son has the same things and worse. That's also another hereditary thing that we really don't know where it came from. Not from his biological father, for sure. So those are the things that would have been nice to know growing up because they could, you know, my son wouldn't have had a stroke because he right. would have been able to be tested earlier to find out that he had the deficiency. So it's those kind of things. And in the 60s, even in my non-identifying information, there were no, there was no medical information except for that everybody wore corrective shoes. <laughs> and really, who cares? There's a lot of people that wear corrective shoes. <laughs> so, yeah. But it would have been really nice if I just had a little bit more information so that, because um, it does matter to my children. It matters. And it right. matters to my granddaughter. And we have a right to know that. And yeah. that's the one thing. And I think that was my biggest burning desire all along because I didn't, I didn't have to have a relationship like with my birth mother, um, who I never met. In fact, she's she's deceased, um, and I, I never wanted to have like a really close relationship. I I have that already. I you know right. I don't need that. That's not what I wanted. Um, I just had some questions, and so I think it's really different than some people are like something is totally missing and I need to connect with this person to fill that gap. I didn't have that. I didn't feel Mm -hmm. like that. Do you think your parents or even other members of your family, are they supportive of, of, would your parents have been supportive of your surgery? Would they have been supportive and or hurt or? My adoptive parents hurt. Yeah. Very, very, very hurt. Yeah. No. And I didn't pursue anything until after my mom and dad. Well, actually my father had, died, but my mother had Alzheimer's, my adoptive mother had Alzheimer's. So I, I mean, after she was diagnosed, that's when I really started to do the big search. And okay. I really thought I'd gotten married again. And I really had thought I wanted to have some more children, but I was afraid to do that because sure. of the medical stuff. 
And that's really why I really started to pursue it. I just wanted to know what medical background I've had. So it's kind of dreary going looking for death certificates, trying to figure it out. So, And that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So when I did the search, my parents both have been long deceased. And I did feel a little guilty, like, gosh, I hope, yeah. you know, I, and they had always said, they didn't bring it up, but if I would have said something to them, it was always, no, we understand we, that, that would be, that would be okay. That, that it was brief, you know, yeah. um, didn't yeah. talk about it a lot, but I felt, I think I had such a good life that I felt like, why would I go look at something yeah. else? Like, is, is not, are they not good enough? Right. And, and they were mm-hmm. better than good enough. But I did ask my brothers, I said, Hey, listen, here's what I'm thinking of doing. Is this okay? And, they didn't, nobody can't, no yeah. problem. They, they're blessing. Yeah. But that's just the kind of family that I have. You know, like, mm-hmm. again, I got really, I was rolled in on that plane and just yeah. had have had a, a really amazing life. But I do know some parents would be really, really hurt by that. Brian, how, do you, how would you feel if your son, you know, and daughter said, hey, we absolutely love you, mom, but we, we want to do a search. We want to, we want to meet our biological parents. No, I I can understand that thirst. I can well, <clears throat> I can empathize with it. Um, I totally get it. Growing up, where every other Saturday in Indiana, we went on Saturdays to my grandma Miller's, who had an in-ground pool, and hung out and swam all day, and then pack up and go seven miles down the road to my grandma and grandpa Fies and play kickball and eat dinner and then go home. Everybody in our tribe, all my cousins, my first cousins, I was with them every other Saturday, and it's just how we did it. So I can't imagine. And we've talked about it. In fact, three, four years, four or five years ago, we were going to go to Guatemala, and then they had, um, I don't know, hostels or whatever, Muslims, terrorists, whatever, were supposed to have breached the Honduran-Guatemalan border, so we canceled the flight. My mom and my step uh, dad were going to go with us, and we were going to go down there and just visit Guatemala City, maybe doing a preliminary search. Um, since then, um, and J.D., you know this, my wife's got something that she's dealing with that's irreversible. Um, so we canceled that trip. Uh, my daughter's kind of cooled off on the idea a little bit too because of what we're dealing with. But um, to your point about um, the blessings that we have, uh, you guys have um, questions about medical history and things like that that has kind of opened up a can for you for us. For my story, it's a different and it's an amazing story about my wife and my kids because my wife is dealing with Huntington's disease. She's been in a nursing home for 15 months um, full-time. It's irreversible. It's a hereditary thing. It's um, it's a tough chair she sits in. So this gal, the day she gets to 100% diagnosis, so she's got this thing, right? I get a sore throat and I'm shut down for seven days and I'm putting a list together of things I'm going to do when I'm well, like climbing Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, whatever it is, um, she finds out that she's got something that she can never get away from. And we're having a glass of wine and we're holding hands. And she's like, you know what? Our kids are never going to have to have a doctor visit like that. So Huntington's disease in our family is going to end with my wife. And in that same moment, a cruddy moment like that, she's thinking about her kids. So adoption for us is this is the second side of the beauty for it. One, I got a wife who's thinking about our kids. Probably why I married her, because she's a, gonna, a great mom and a wonderful friend. Um, and our, our kids will never have to have that moment. So for me, I don't worry as much about their medical history, because I know they don't have Huntington's disease, and everything else is gravy. And I may sound flippant, but it's I've had a decade and a half to think about, watch my wife decline and do her thing, and she's ridiculously amazing. And I even sent her a post, right? You know, Linda Carter and Gal Ghetto, or whatever her name is, they can move aside, because the real Wonder Woman has been with me <laughs> since 1991. Yeah. So 
for us, whatever those medical histories are, it's not Huntington's disease and it pales in comparison. So I'm grateful that we have, we still have mysteries and they may have a moment where they wish they had them. But for us, I know she doesn't have Huntington. They don't have Huntington's and it ends with my wife. So for us, another God moment that I know we are supposed to have those two kids. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's really, really intense and beautiful and absolutely 100% right on in that the things that we don't have to give our children biologically is something that there's things that I see in my biological child that I wish that I wouldn't have given him. And I, things I see in my, I, I, it's, it's just a whole nother side that people don't think about unless they're, unless they're in it, in that um, adoption is beautiful in, in so many ways. And there's so many sides to it. Uh, in terms of me being a uh, adoptive mother, when my son meeting his biological mom someday, I am all for it. I'm like more into it than he is. Um, he's just like, yeah, I'm good. You know, just doesn't. It, we did ancestry.com. Um, he did not find anyone through that, but we knew from the adoption agency that he he has a 100% biological brother who lives in Virginia, who we have been in contact with and even visited throughout the awesome 18 years of his life. And so we, he has this brother, Cameron, who he's, he's keeps in touch with and we've met up for vacations together and et cetera, et cetera, over the years. So I have this like in, incredible dream, this vision that someday the two brothers are going to like get into like one of our Volkswagen buses and drive to <laughs> Guatemala in search of their birth mom. And so <laughs> let's amazing. do it. Let's do it. I know. I, I think, I mean, I want him to do this so bad. And he's kind of like, you know, this is my dream, not his. Okay. <laughs> but in Royal, my, my partner and I, who uh, I did not adopt the baby with, but he is a very, very close with my, my son and very much a father to him as well. But we, he and I talk about it like this. We want this so bad for, for Kai, for my son, <laughs> that we just think this is just, it would be awesome and we would somehow help fund it and we would do everything we could to make it possible. And I would go and, you know, do everything that I could to, to, to help him find her if she's still alive, of course, which we have to go there and consider that possibility. Uh, but he's just kind of like, yeah, you know, like, you're my mom, you know, he's just, he's that guy and that's wonderful. And I love that so much too. But again, I would have been, I would be totally fine with it. If anything, I'm so curious. I want to know more about this incredible woman that created and produced this incredible, incredible person. And I have so many questions for her and hugs to give her. And, you know, I, on my son's birthday and, uh, you know, on holidays, I know they're, I know they're, they're Catholics or, or, I know they celebrate Christmas. So on Christmas and his birthday, I try to like send her messages mm -hmm. and tell her that he's safe and he's happy and he's beautiful. And he's just the joy of so the, the joy of so many people. And I don't know that she receives them or not. I, you know, but I like to think that she does. And, um, and it's a uh, it's it's a bittersweet thing, I guess I should say, in terms of his birthday and in terms of celebrating things, because I I feel his biological mom, I feel her presence, I do, and I feel like we're kind of we are in this together, and I feel like she she does know on some that he's 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 okay, 
but I still want to meet her and like, I don't rap with her and like, just like ask her all sorts of questions and get to know her. And I, you know, I just think it would be so cool. But again, and some people say boys, it, I, I hate genderizing things, but when people say, well, it seems that, or there's even been studies done that boys are less likely to want to find their birth parents than girls. And I don't know if that's true or not with my son, but that is where we are. And he just at this point at 18 has really... Oh, he'd love to go to Guatemala because he loves to travel. And we do hope to go uh, back someday. We have not since the adoption. Um, but that's just been a money thing. That's been absolutely not not any other other reason. That's just, uh, you know, we, we're not, uh, we're, we're, we're campers and we travel somewhat, but not, we're just not international travelers. We just don't have that kind of travel fund. But um, if I would, I would find a way if he decided he wanted to take that Volkswagen bus and go over the border and go and go in search of his mother and then, you know, write the great, great American novel. And oh, I got, I got, I got it all planned out for him. How great this could be. (laughs) (laughs) It's all in my head though. So, right. And someday that might be in his head too. He might, he might, you know, he might change course on that and, and he might not. I just think it's wonderful that you are more than open, you know, to that. So what he says now and how he feels may change as he, you know, unfolds into adulthood or not. Right. Right. And either way, again, is fine. And uh, I, I love, I love both sides of it. I do. I love that he's just so cool and fine with the way things are that he doesn't need or want that. But I also, you know, I am an extraordinarily curious person who loves people. So I'm also like, and I have a couple photos of her. I know a few things, but I nothing compared to like, you know, the amount of information I would love to to have about her and, and the friendship I would like to have with her. But exactly, we'll we'll see. Um, well, this has been an incredible conversation. We're over an hour. Uh, so we're probably gonna have to wrap this up. But as Julie said, uh, we will probably do a second adoption episode i'm pretty sure because mm-hmm. the the number of responses to this uh, were incredible as julie mentioned and the fact that julie and i have these wonderful connections in so many ways uh so many different things that why we're friends why we're hosting this podcast together why we feel connected to each other and this is just another one of them like she's adopted i'm an adoptive mom like oh, of course and <laughs> Something just both so near and dear to both of our hearts. I don't think either of us are going to be ready to let go of this topic after no. one podcast. We've so. been super, super stoked since we talked about it weeks ago. And again, we've had so tremendous response. So thank you to people who, who wanted to be part of this. And, and we thank you for that. And thank you for people who consider adopting. And thank you for people who have selflessly given their, their children up. Um, the, the amount of people whose lives are touched by adoption is just amazing. Um, guess I hadn't really realized that or thought about it. So um, I guess if I had to do a PSA for adoption, it's, it truly is an amazing, an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. So DNA, don't get me wrong. DNA is, is wonderful, but DNA is science. And um, there's, there's a world beyond that, that you can't, you can't, can't DNA eyes, you know, you just can't. Right. I can uh, tell, you know, all day long, I can say how much I respect science and how I can understand the importance uh, of a biological connection, but in my heart and in my soul and at the end of it all, it's, it's love and it's not blood. And it is truly love, not blood. And it's love that makes a family. And I believe that across the board with adoption, with, uh, you know, 
same-sex marriage. It, it just, it, it's love that keeps us together. It's, it's the core of everything, religion, uh, you know, everything. And I could not have uh, more love for my child. And I know that I feel the love that you all have for your, your family members as well. And that's all that matters. So thank you, Judy. Thank you, Brian. You guys are awesome. Uh, just so open to share your stories with us. And we just loved, loved hearing them, love all the personal uh, details of, of your lives and your experience with adoption. And to our listeners out there, thank you so much for tuning in. And if there's anything that you would like us to talk about, a topic that you think would be a good fit, uh, Julie and I are all ears. You can contact us very easily through our Facebook page, Dandelions, a podcast for women. We're on Instagram. And we also have an email address, which is dandelions at onmilwaukee.com. And we would love love to hear from you and tell us what you think that uh, you'd like to hear us chat about, or if you'd like to be a guest on our show, or um, reach really out. Just want to say hi because you know hi is it's wonderful. Someone people have been sending me letters or like little postcards and stuff. I know it's kind of popular uh, right now with COVID and and people communicating, and and I've gotten a few a couple postcards and a card. From people who are you know live in Milwaukee, live near me and stuff, and it's just uh, I've just absolutely loved it. So, you know, if anyone just wants to again, just wants to connect with us and just be like, hey, you know, another dandelion over here, just uh, wanted to connect. We are all about that as well. And on that note, Brian, um, you know, we this is we do say a, a podcast for women, but we love having men listen. We're really happy to have a man guest. You and are you the are, first. You are the first. Thank you for covering my ass on that. <laughs> <laughs> and you, I can tell my buddies, hey, hey, can yep. I, I got an invite. No, see, it's been great. I appreciated the stories. You guys are great. Well, and you Absolutely. are you are forever now um, what we call a mandalion. So congratulations. <laughs> no, <laughs> the next first. tramp stamp is going to be. <laughs> You're a mandalion for life, Brian. So. Oh, um, Wear the badge proudly. Thank you. Excellent. <laughs> and thank you to um, Molly, to your employer, to onmilwaukee.com for letting us do this podcast because we have so much fun. It's really a highlight, especially during, it was always fun, but during COVID, it gives us something to really look forward to because I think one thing people are looking for probably now more than ever is is connection. And so we always try and talk about things and find a connection where maybe you wouldn't think there'd be a connection um, so on Milwaukee.com, thank you so very much for um, for allowing us to do this and to the folks at Go Get It for setting us up with Zoom and telling us, you know, what to do to sound as best as we can and helping us get this out over the over the podcast platforms and just thank you. Yep. All right. Well we'll uh, we'll be back next month. Peace, y'all. <laughs> <laughs>